Welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the exploration and cultivation of the outside genius found in neurodivergence. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about how our creativity is really the driver of our differences. And I'm going to start with the executive management dysfunction and how most of it is just simply because we are prompt-driven creators and not actually any other reason. I think executive management dysfunction gets the biggest knock for us. I think that we are constantly being told, why aren't you this way or that way? But I think that if you really want to love and trust yourself and go in and be your best self, we should start with the fact that you are supposed to create the world that you live in. You're supposed to make it. That we have so many YouTube videos of amazing creators out there who have 100,000, 200,000 followers who follow their hobby and will follow it for 20, 30, 40 years as this person goes on their journey. And yet we also have people who have millions of followers, doofuses who do stupid things that almost kill them or they play tricks on people or pranks. And those people have millions of followers, like two, five, six, 10, 20 million people. I want you to understand the difference between those two people, the person who is building a craft and creating a style or school for other people to follow them in, and someone who's entertaining and will be a fad and have all these followers, but then will fall off or have some big explosion. You are the first kind. You are not the second. We're the outliers. Okay. So if you're getting 5,000 people on a channel, you're a freaking master. 5,000 people have gone out there and found you and are watching your stuff repeatedly. If you get 5,000 subscribers, you're not going to get subscribers in the mainstream. I think I had a really come to grips that it didn't matter how smart I was or how talented I was or how beautiful I was or how coordinated I was. None of that mattered at the end of the day because my personality was such an outlier personality. I am never going to be mainstream. It's okay with me though. I am not mainstream. I don't understand mainstream. It's like they're running around being autistic to me, but I'm the one with autism. I really super don't get it. I don't understand even slightly why people like jackass. And I don't understand even slightly why people like Paul Logan or whatever his name is, or many other people in a healthy society, the creators, the artisans, the people with mastery are the most respected in an unhealthy society. We have false celebrity and people who have reality TV shows that show them doing nothing other than consuming are the most respected. And unfortunately, we live in an unhealthy society, but that doesn't mean that you have to be unhealthy or you can't create your own society that is healthy within the unhealthy. So let's get started on this because I do want you to understand that your path is different. And in order for your different path to be successful, we need to get you started on what it does mean to be a creative, what it does mean to be the maker of your own path. It starts with the executive management dysfunction being turned on its head. The first one is difficulties with time management. Supposedly, we're all bad at time and we can't estimate properly for time and meeting deadlines. We challenge in prioritizing tax and or organizing schedules. Here's the truth of the matter. We are not actually bad at time management. In fact, when I was younger, I used to have to write all these contracts. I still do this. And when it was just me, I was usually right on with my time management. I always knew how much time it would take me. 
I always sort of able was able to fit it in that time. It's that when I got other people working for me that I stopped being able to do that. And it's not time management. It's me understanding me and not them. When you're just an outlier, your idea of time is going to be different because you and how you work is different. We get lost with our flow and our special interests and our super focus, and we can be there for hours because we're learning something new and creating it as we go. The rest of the population is not doing that. They are not learning something new and creating as they go. They don't learn that way. The rest of the population just learns according to somebody else's schedule, receives it, and then regurgitates it, and that's it. And that's pretty easy to put time on. But you and I, we're different. We don't learn like that. We learn by creating. We learn by making. So we take things in, and then we make them. And of course, if we've never made it before, or we're making it different this time, there's no way for us to know the time. We can guesstimate in a pretty average way. Now, I was talking to someone, he was telling me his son has autism and Down syndrome, and he has the ability to tell you a time and is at any point in the day at, and has never worn a watch. I also have this in my mother. My mother would always know within about five minutes what time it was, even though we'd been wandering around and it felt like it'd been hours. She'd be like, it's only been two hours and 25 minutes, and it would be like two hours and 23 minutes. I don't actually think we have struggles with time management. It's more or less that we're outliers and our time use is different. Not you being a problem. Your way of being in the world is different. And so when they say you have a dysfunction, they really mean you should be on your own path. (laughs) You need to positively disintegrate and get on your own way because you are an artist. And now for the first time, artistry will be more valuable than it's ever been before. But truly, it's always been valuable. It's just that it requires you to have a different plan. Parents, when your kid is an artist, you don't send them to college and expect them to come back and go out and get a $60,000 a year job. That's rare for artists unless they want to work as a designer or something for some company. It is possible, and you can do that. You can go get a designer degree. But if you want to be an artist, creating your own thing And I'm speaking of this in all levels. I have kids, they're artists in chemistry. They just do chemistry experiments all the time. I have ones who are that way with math. I have ones who are that way with performance. I have ones who are that way with music. I mean, it's all these different things. But one of the things my family ran into is we are big picture savants. We don't recreate other people's things. We make our own. This journey of you recreating other people's things so beautifully We're never going to fulfill that journey. We suck at that. We get bored recreating other people's things. Our brains want to create our own. We want to learn how to play stuff so we can get to the next thing. I never worry about perfection when I'm creating for art or creating, period. I actually shoot for failure because in my failing, I learn all the ways I can cut steps, make this more efficient, and make it more unique. I'm interested in making something I like. I don't care about the techniques of others to get to their form. I care about their techniques to get to my form. So if I need their techniques, I will watch it for a little bit and see, and then I will make it my own way. This is how it is for everything I do. I have to make my own way. I will watch other people and I will make summary of their in my head and then I'll just go and try. And then when I hit a point where I need some help, I'll go back and look up those videos again or I'll go look up a bunch of stuff. We are the wanderers or the searchers in the forest who are trying to find our way. My siblings who are moderately gifted, they will take the path of others. They're very, very good at creating what other people, but when they went out to the world to become creators, they weren't spectacular creators. They were good, but they weren't great. And the reason was, is they just don't have that novelty of thinking to the same level my other sister and I do. It's not like I'm trying to trash them. They did really well. They've created things that are very valuable, but they're never going to be these massive, amazing artists because... Their brains are more focused on them recreating other people's stuff. And that's kind of a problem 
that a lot of creators run into is they have always been lauded in the system. Oh, you're amazing. You can do all this recreating. You, you always make it look so great, but then they never learn how to create their own. And this is something I'm actually going through with my math kid. She has really gotten good at recreating other people's stuff. And now you have to create your own. And she's like, whereas my other two, I can't pull them in. Could you please try to even slightly stick to the schedule? Okay, no. All right. It's an interesting thing. I realized that they are bigger picture than her. She's a theorist and she is big picture, but her brain is not nearly as wide open as those two. Those two, their brains are just on another level of wide open. It's like, I have no idea what they're going to do with life. I know it's going to be original, but I don't know how it's going to go down because their artistry is so wide and so has so many choices. I I really don't even know how it's going to go, but I'm sure it'll be fine. So I don't even worry about it. I try to do is I try to give them the space to go do all the 10,000 things they're going to do. Let them try, let them fail and not worry about it because failure is the greatest teacher. I really think for us, it's the absolute greatest teacher. And part of the whole system is to keep us from taking over our rightful positions as leaders. They make failure now a bad thing. But truthfully, failure is the quickest way to learn. If you fail, you learn really fast why you can't go down that avenue and you don't bother anymore. You never try again. If you don't learn how to fail, then you're going to make many more mistakes when it's most important and most costly. Difficulty with time management, struggling with accurately estimating time and meeting schedules, challenging and prioritizing tax and organizing schedules. I don't think this is true for us. I just think it's true when we're recreating other people's stuff because it's not what we're supposed to do. So let's go into impaired task switching and flexibility. Difficulty transitioning between different tasks and adapting to unexpected changes and resistance to changes in routine or difficulty adjusting plans. I don't know how this is impaired when you are so focused and you want to keep going what you're doing and you don't feel like quitting. Our whole system never goes to any depth. The smarter you are, the more you need breadth and depth. And our system doesn't give you that. It's almost torture. I shouldn't say almost. It is torture to sit in that system and be constantly pulled out of the things you like after a while you let yourself not care anymore because otherwise your frustration and your anger is so great that you get in trouble for that you just get to the point where you're like, I don't care I don't care and this goes back to the statistics I once said they have knowledge that we have one third one third one third one third of kids of gifted kids are found and identified one third go through the system unidentified there nobody notices them they don't identify as gifted and then one third drop out I've seen stats all over the place, but when I talk to people, that one-third, one-third, one-third is kind of generally an acceptable principle, but the stats are all over the place. Some say 40, some say 30, some say 20. It's not that far from that, so I stick with my one-third, 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 because we should just be clear that they're they're only finding about a third of the kids, and really, can you even trust that? Because they're assuming for every one that they find, two they miss. That's a pretty bad rate. That's a pretty high failure rate, if you ask me. And one third of those kids are dropping out. And then they go on to be the kids that if they make it, they're lauded as the extreme outlier. But what they are is just gifted neurodivergence. They were wired to go there. Same with the middle kids. I would not have been one of the kids that they probably would have said, oh, it's going to do really well. My younger siblings would have been. But then I I passed them pretty early. And they're not sure why. Well, I'm sure why. It's because I'm a gifted neurodivergent. It's because I'm an outlier they're closer to the middle. So they're going to do fine when they're in the system and they're shooting for average a little above. But me, I was just trying to pretend I was normal. That's all I spent all my energy on was just trying to get my B's and low A's so I could just be invisible. The next thing is weakness in planning and organization. I absolutely disagree with weakness in planning and organization. The thing is, is we're prompt driven. So we go into a room, say I'm packing right now because we're moving. I have in my head a plan to 
move everything. And each day I tackle a part. But I don't have it written down. I don't have it created because I'm a futurist. My brain's always taking stock on everything. And I know how it's going to go. But it's by a feeling. It's that knowing that I talked about in the last one. I already know what needs to get done. I can feel it more than I can lay it out. I have a project management certification and I had to do all those charts of project management. And I used to be like, why do I have to do this? I already know what it looks like. I did already know what it looked like, especially after I did it one other time. As soon as I had one under my belt, I already knew what it looked like. But you fill it out for everyone else, not for you. It's not really our difficulty or weakness in planning an organization. It's actually everyone else's needs that we're meeting. And that's annoying. You're doing a bunch of stuff for everyone else. And that's pretty much what you do all the time in the system. It's everything for everyone else. There's never getting around to a time where you get to do what you want for you. No, it never happens. Because we're using so much of our subconscious. This is why you need to plan on just being a creative. Because if you recognize yourself as a creative, if you go out into the world as like, I'm creating something new as an entrepreneur, as a creative, as someone who's going to make their mark in the world as creating something novel, then your whole plan is different. You're not trying to get in. You're not trying to be judged based on your ex executive management functioning. You're being judged based on what novel things you're coming up. Next thing is inconsistent attention and focus. I totally hate this one. I hate seeing it every single time. You don't have inconsistent attention and focus. You have super focus and special interest. The very meaning of giftedness, the very definition of giftedness is the ability to focus on something greatly, the ability to follow through with your interests greatly. Those two things are the very definition of giftedness, yet it's dysfunctional because we're too far outliers to fit into the average where we don't maintain sustained attention on tasks that are extrinsically motivated, provided. Other people's tasks, other extrinsic motivated things are not our bag. We just don't have them. We're meant for something different. We're meant to be creators. We're meant to create new ways. The idea that you go through a school system that's constantly telling you how to serve others, serve others, serve others, when you really have to be your own master, because it is the only way for you to be successful, then you're going to be screwed. You can make it out into the real world. I went out into the real world. I worked for corporations. I worked for big and small. I worked for medium and large. And when I worked for those companies, I always knew that I was there to get some information, I was there to get some experience, and then I was going to move on. I was not there to make this a long-term career because the truth is I was very clear, very young, that this would never be a long-term career for me. I couldn't stay in these organizations. I couldn't deal with the groups. I was not being utilized in my best manner. I wasn't interested in it, and I wasn't motivated by it. And money, I mean, money's important, but it's not the be-all, end-all, and I'm not motivated past a certain point. And we've gotten to the point now where everybody's motivated by money because it's live or die levels of money. Like if you're just barely hanging on, that just means we're all burnt out. That doesn't mean we actually care. We keep downgrading our work. So we're getting less to do at our jobs because we're just so burnt out. But it's because we don't like our job. When you love your job, when you make your own job, you'll be working on it all the time. You won't even know the hours go by. They'll slip away. You'll have consistent attention and focus. But we are prompt-driven people. Our emotions sort of dictate our energy. And if you learn to work with your emotions instead of against them, all of a sudden you have this huge energy source that you've never known of in your whole life. Your emotions are just sheer raw energy. And I will say this many times more again, but anger has gotten me through so many hard situations because anger is energy. If you don't direct at other people, but you use it and you tap it, it will focus you and it will give you an, a raw energy that is beyond drugs. It is just amazing 
what anger helped me get through as a kid because anger is an asset if you use it the correct way. So the other thing is deficits in decision-making and problem-solving. I think this one is wrong again because we don't have deficits in decision-making and problem-solving. The problem is, is that we live in a system that teaches 2D and we are 3D plus thinkers. They're constantly giving us problems that we see too many options for and we don't know which one they want. I swear to you, I spend most of my energy dealing with the world, trying to figure out where they're at in my big picture because my big picture is so big, other people don't get it. The next thing is communication and collaboration issues. I think I talked about this one a million, zillion, trillion times. First off, we're not extrinsically motivated, but we do want to make sure that everybody is happy. And when other people are unhappy, we're unhappy because we're kind of those big, fat, open wounds or just taker inners. And we don't have any filters, especially the more you neurodivergence you have, the less filters you have. So our biggest problem is we have communication and collaboration issues because we know and understand and see things that others can't. We live in a society that just rejects you unless you're regurgitating the same crap as everyone else. And I struggled with this so much. I still struggle with it today. I am a novel thinker. I do not see the world the way others do. I am very clear on how I move through the world. It is incredibly clear for me. And it is screaming at me half the time that they're wrong. That's not how you do it. I don't know how other people move through the world. And I don't want to tell you this is how you move through the world because I really don't know how you move through the world unless I'm sitting across from you and feeling you. But I know this is how I move through the world. And so I'm sharing it because we don't have a top-down perspective on how we are. We have this middle-of-ground perspective on what everyone else is. And I am so far outside of that, nothing of it applies to me. I need to hear that other people are like me. It would be really great to find out in this world that, you know, I am perfectly normal for me, for people like me. We have difficulty navigating social dynamics. Of course we do. We move through the world in a completely different way. We never get cultured in. We have our own ideas. We build very, very complex patterns and we see with greater clarity what the heck's going on. So yeah, we have that. And I don't care what your functioning level is and your neurodivergence. The kids who are least functioning still have this. They still have clarity that others don't because they're still wide open sensors. They're still taking in so much inputs that they have a tab on the world that other people don't and theirs is not incorrect. Average people cannot guarantee that theirs is correct. They're regurgitating something they were told, not something they definitely experienced. We are actually regurgitating what we've experienced. It is our view. Potential for miscommunication and challenges in expressing thoughts and ideas clearly. There's always that potential. We literally have different patterns. We don't have the same information. They've put everybody into this homogenous machine called the education system. And most people come out regurgitating and speaking and parroting the same thing. You and I, we went through that system and we hear what the teacher said and we heard everything else and there was no filter for what to focus on. So we aren't sure. And so we take it all in and then we have this really amazing, complex, multidimensional pattern and it's not incorrect. It actually has all of the data in it. It's just that our perspective is different because ours is more complex. I'm not going to apologize for that. And in the future, it's going to be incredibly valuable. We haven't gotten there yet, but it is almost there. It's very close. The next one is the sensory sensitivities and overload. How can this be a dysfunction if they know that we're just higher sensing? And then they know that our system is not kind to high sensing people or sensitive people. I don't know that this is a dysfunction as much as the system just doesn't give two craps. Our heightened sensitivity is not a dysfunction. It is a function. It has a purpose. We are detail seers. We have, we take in so many inputs and we had overload. And the problem is, is that we're all locked down and not able to leave when we had overload. That's the problem. Not you. You're fine. You're amazing. And your ship is going to come in, but the system is not meant for you. 
you're in a creative and creatives work collaboratively, but they also work alone. And they need to be in touch with themselves to know what times they need alone time and what times they need others. I need others. I really do need others. This is why I went into this. I love engaging with other people. They tell me so much. I feel other people and their emotions are just a treasure trove of insight and knowledge. I also need a lot of downtime. I need my own time. I need to process it. I take in so many inputs all day long that if I don't get time down to go process all those inputs, they backlog. And then I have all these emotions trying to push them through. I'm not allowed that space to process all of those inputs. Not only am I missing out on information and data and knowledge, I am overwhelmed. I can never recover. I'm exhausted all the time. We have to push through our inputs. That is what emotions are supposed to do. They're actually supposed to deliver information and become the completion of that full picture that you have made during the day. But our system is set up to never allow you to do that. So you never can question the captivity that you're in. You can never try to get out. It is set up to hinder us being able to be in touch with ourselves so that we don't realize what a bad deal it is for us. My sensitivity one-on-one is valuable. But if I were to try to do this as a therapist or a psychologist, I would be burnt out so fast. And I'll have to pay back a crap ton of loans. And I just don't understand that since I'm trying to change the world from a perspective of you just need to be introduced to yourself. You are already healthy. We just got to get you to realize it. The next one is stress and emotional regulation. We are prompt-driven people. Emotions bring information. So of course, we're going to have emotional regulation issues when we're being stressed and we're being pushed past our sensory overload. And all of that is a dysfunction of the system, not you. Yes, you don't fit into it. Yes, you are meant for greater and better things. Yes, let's get you on that track. Let's figure out what your sensitivities do for you and not don't do for you. Because that's what we've been focused on. We've been focused on you're supposed to be doing this to average. The whole system is it's not giving you all the data you need. So you're short on data. You're short one third or more. And it's putting you in a schedule that's excessive for you. And it's putting inputs on you that are excessive for you. And then it's making you not go to the depth or breadth that you want. It tells you you're bad at time, but then it doesn't ever let you learn how you want to learn. Everything is set up to work against you. And then they're wondering why you're not fitting in or why you're struggling or why you're tired or why you're exhausted or why your grades are not as high as they could be in your testing shows. These are all logical reasons. It's called you're a creative and you're not in a creative school. You're not being taught how you move through the world. You're not being allowed to be who you really are. You're being forced into the box. The box is making a person who will not be able to thrive in the future. The box that is creating a bunch of students who will literally be the first to be laid off in the future. I think if you really want to like yourself, if you really want to be the best you can be, then you should just get the heck out of there. You should get into homeschool, you should get into art school, you should get wherever you can get to a place where you are allowed to be what you need to be. We don't need to be taught like they do in the schools. We are actually really good at figuring out and learning on our own. We can get so many resources from the internet and self-teach today that the schools are actually behind our ability to learn. We take in all these patterns. This is the savant gift, and there are three levels of savantism, and it's found in neurodivergence. You guys are all savants on some level. I am so tired of seeing that savantism is only that high-low cognition where it's an idiot savant. That just simply isn't true. There are plenty of us that are savants. Most neurodivergence are savants at any functioning level. If you are learning and you don't need to be taught, that is savantism. There are three levels and you're at one of them. I cannot 
stress this enough, and I know the whole system is set up to not say this, but the reason they're not saying that is they don't want us to know what we really are walking around with. They have changed us 100 years ago. They took it back. We used to have so many geniuses sitting in salons and the cafes in Europe, and we had that Enlightenment era, and Napoleon came in, and everybody was talking and having coffee in salons, and he took right over, and so they're like, no more of that. We're not going to let them engage in just lollygagging in salons. And so they shut it all down. We borrowed this system from Germany. We brought it over here in the early 1900s, started, and when Germany went belly up with the Nazis, they brought all those educators over and employed them here to set up systems. The robber baron billionaires of the 1920s, and we're right back where we were started again, brought them over to change America. And every Western country in the world has adopted this style, which is the Prussian education system style, where you are sat in a seat and you are forced to fit into the system. The system is not meant for everyone. There are outliers, and you are one of them, and you do not fit. And it is okay, because it's breaking down. And the future will be for those who know how they move through the world and can make their own way. A hundred years ago, they were all doing that. It's coming back again. That's how I'm going to talk about you prompt-driven creatives. I just wanted to give you a little feedback on what is your natural state, how you move through the world and how you can find your happiness, how you can move through it is you get a plan. I grew up in poverty. I was broke. I had a baby in college and I had to survive and take care of my son and move through the world successfully enough that I did not let him down, that I did not let other people down. And so I had to fit in and I did it. I did it for as long as I could. And when I got my out, I took it and I ran. I have never been happier since. You can find your niche in the world. You can make it and you can go into it and you can be successful. You do need to navigate and make a plan for that and figure out how to do it. But your high sensing, your promptive in nature will actually help you. You don't actually need a teacher to get that. You just might need some good feedback here and there. Thanks for listening, everyone. You take care. Until next time. Are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent Gifted ND Incorporated, Lillian Skinner, or the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. This podcast, Lillian Skinner, and Gifted ND Incorporated are not responsible and do not verify the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast series. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. The Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast is only available for private, non-commercial use. Any other use of the information contained within this podcast must be done with express written approval and knowledge of Lillian Skinner. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute any part of this podcast. The developer assumes no liability for this podcast or its use on any other podcast or other media.